series on Christian growth, and I was looking at it from Campus Crusades material um, and their approach to Christian growth, and then I'm thinking maybe later we'll look at Navigator's deal, but um, as just a quick summary, we spent a lot of time talking about this analogy of you have to decide who makes the decisions in your life. And he used a chair representing the decision maker of your life, saying there are two ways to approach it. Either God is the one, represented with a towel, God is the one who's making the decisions in your life, and you, represented by Kermit, uh, you look to God to say, all right, the, the role of a Christian is, a Christian says, I am subject to whatever God wants. So if I'm wanting to know what kind of spouse I should be, I say, God, what kind of spouse do you want me to be? And I, I, I take my cue from God. If I want to know if I want to take a job, God, which job would you like me to have? God, what kind of employer should I be? And this, this constant thing where the, the, the understanding of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus Christ, a person of the way, is that they live in this kind of relationship. But too many of us reverse it, and really we end up living our life this way where we make the calls, and we decide. And so we excuse behavior, and we, we do things like this. We say, yeah, I know what the Bible says. I know what God wants me to do, but this is how I'm going to live my life. And we talked about the idea that as a believer, as someone who calls themselves a believer, you can't live this way. This is not what God intended. This is not how God intended to live your life. And God's going to do everything he can to get you to understand that this is the way that it should be. Because this is ultimately the best way to live. Because as God, he always knows and always chooses what's best for your life. And so Campus Crusade, or crew as they're now called, illustrates it this way. Um, they've got this little chart that will help you figure it out here, right here. That when, and you can see God's on the throne, self is there. When you're in this kind of relationship, there are two relationships. There's a vertical relationship between you, you and God. And then there's a horizontal relationship between you and, and, and the world, or, or the world that you live in. And he's got, and this morning we're going to talk about this vertical relationship, this issue of prayer and of Bible study. Um, before we do, I want to introduce you to uh, some relationships that I have in my life. Um, I, like many of you, have a Facebook page. I have, I don't know, like 500 friends on the Facebook page. Let me tell you about those friends. Uh, some of them I don't even know how they got on there. Um, it, I, it's a social relationship that I have with these people. It might be, you know, well, I had them in youth group like 25 years ago for two months, and then they found me and said, will you be my friend? Yes. Um, some of them keep inviting me to play games. And so I have blocked them and said, and said, I will be your friend, but no, accept no invites from this person. Uh, take no, f no game requests from this person. And that list seems to grow. Uh, but I, I have Facebook friends, okay? Um, and let me tell you about this guy. This guy right here, this is Len. Um, Len Pine. That's the first picture, guys. Uh, this is Len Pine. Len is a Bible Presbyterian pastor out in Boone Ferry, Idaho right now. Uh, Lynn and I were in college together. We got to know each other through a drama team that we were on. And Lynn and I kind of hit it off. And so Lynn and I, in traveling, really developed a pretty close friendship. Um, you know, we had practiced 
scripts for 18 weeks, and then we had gone on the road for 18 weeks, living six guys in a van and staying in a different home every night. And, and so Lynn and I got to know each other pretty well through that. And so when I graduated from college, um, I was going to get married six months later, and so Lynn was in my wedding. And so Lynn is one of the guys that was, was in my wedding with me. Um, we kind of hit it off because there are a lot of things we disagreed on. He was Bible Presbyterian, so the big issue was baptism. And we'd go back and forth, and Lynn and I would poke each other and, and joke. And, and he came from a, a really um, liturgical kind of background, being Presbyterian, and I was a little more free. Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, we would always go back and forth, and even to this day, Lynn um, lost touch with him after, uh, we grad- after the wedding, and then uh, through Facebook, we kind of connected up again. Uh, Lynn called me one day, and he said, hey, look, he was, he was pastoring out on the East Coast. He said, I've taken a, a, a pastorate out in Idaho, and he said, uh, we're going to be driving through with our, our moving van. And uh, he said, we're just going to be going through Sioux City real quick. And I said, hey, look. I said, call me at the last minute. I'll drop everything. I'll get over there. Ran over, met him at a truck stop, filled his truck up with gas and, and bought him lunch. And we had a great time, took a couple of pictures, and then Lynn went on his way. And so we kind of stay in touch um, through Facebook now. Lynn's, Lynn's kind of, my relationship with Lynn is kind of one of convenience. Um, you know, I'm not going to drive out there to see him. He ain't going to drive back here to see me. It's just kind of a convenience kind of relationship. And, um, uh, it's not that, you know, if we get the opportunity and something happens and we're together, that's great, but we're not going to go out of our way to, to do a lot because we just have that kind of friendship. Um, the next picture, this is my uh, sister and her husband. Um, this is my sister, Cindy. Um, now, don't take this wrong, but I have a relationship with her out of obligation, okay? Because <clears throat> she's my sister, all right? Um, the only thing we really have in common is the idea that we, were, we grew up together, all right? Uh, she lives in Yuppie land. I live in the Boones, Booneyville. So, you know, and, and my sister, don't get me wrong, my sister is, uh, she is a, um, a children's uh, worship. She does children's worship at a church and actually has a part-time job doing that full-time for a church. Um, so it's a part-time job where, where she works full-time. Uh, but, and her husband, David, he's a financial guy. So, and they live in Yuppie Land. They're about four or five miles from my mom and dad. Whenever I go down to visit, uh, we talk. Cindy's not somebody I call up on a regular basis. Um, I call her whenever we got an issue with mom that we kind of need to work out and figure all that kind of thing out. Right now, we're trying to figure out how to get her fence fixed. I think I should come down and rebuild it. She thinks we ought to hire it done because she's in Yuppieville, and that's what Yuppieville does. Um, <laughs> So, you know, that's the kind of, we have, it's kind of, I love my sister, and we get along, and we eat, and we can, we can go out and eat together and stuff like that, but if we were two strangers meeting on the street, she'd probably be a Facebook friend. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, we just don't, our, literally, when I went to college, our worlds just kind of went psh, completely different directions. So it's kind of a relationship out of obligation. Uh, these next people, they'll kill me if they ever knew I was going to do this, but I don't care, uh, these next people, um, Doug and Terry, um, these are our closest friends. Um, long story, Doug became a, was a young Christian. Gene had met Terry, and one Sunday after church, Terry had invited us over. And I don't like going to people's houses after church. I'm exhausted after church. I want to eat my food, sit in my chair, fall asleep, take a nap. That's my routine. Um, I'm exhausted after those of you who have preached or done this. You know what I'm talking about. You're just beat. You're white. 
And so she said, we're going to go over. And then to make it worse, I found out Doug was a chef. So then I thought, great. Not only do I have to go somewhere after church and eat at somebody's house, but now I've got to eat food I don't even like because he's going to make that foo-foo stuff, and I'm going to have to act like I, I, I like this fancy food. Um, come to find out, we get there. He has a, a decent meal that I can eat everything, and so it's like, great, this is awesome. And then I'm thinking, great, now I can go home, and I can take my nap. And, and, and oh, by the way, I was a youth pastor then. I mean, I was young. I was like in my 20-something, 25, 26 years old. I needed a nap back then. But anyway, uh, so, and the girls said, we're going to go shopping. And I went, say what? <laughs> they wanted to go shopping. And I go, so you're going to leave me at this guy's house that I don't even know, and I'm really uncomfortable being here in the first place. And so they, and, and I couldn't say all this, but she knew that's how it would feel. Uh, so they go off, and Doug looks at me, like we're, two, we're looking at each other. It's the first time we were met, and, I said, and he said, um, you watch football? I went, yeah, I watch football. So Doug sat down on one couch. I sat down on another couch. We turned on the football game, and apparently we both fell asleep. Because <laughs> when the girls came back from shopping, Doug and I were snoring on separate couches. And I, got, I woke up, and they, they woke us up because we had to carry in what they bought. Um, I woke up, and, and, and we drove away from there, and I thought, you know what? I didn't even feel bad about that. Maybe this guy could be a friend. Um, and that started our relationship. And we get together, and so we were, our kids were about the same ages. We've gone on vacations together. We are, honestly, Doug is the closest thing to a brother that I have. Um, I would say that in, if you were going to take a Bible analogy, it's kind of a David-Jonathan relationship thing. I mean, um, we are as close as probably two people can physically be. Um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we're on the same pages. We, 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 we get along really, really well. We can share a lot of stuff. We get together. We make, we've made it a, a, a priority in our lives every Friday night. We get together with them. We play cards. We talk. We laugh. We joke. We cry. We have, we have been through, Doug's been through colon cancer four times. Um, we've been through that with him every time. Um, it is a close. If, if I have something really, really exciting in my life that I want to share, I share it with my wife, and then I share it with Doug. Um, that's the kind of relationship that we have. Um, I would say in your lifetime, very few people get to experience that kind of relationship, and I've been fortunate to have that. Um, but this is a relationship that we're, com- we're incredibly committed to, um, and it's been a very important part. Part of the reason I've been here as long as I have is because of these two people. Um, because these two people have been there to pick me up when I was down. These two people have really been an integral part of our life, and we really do. My wife and I, we look at them both as family, as family could be, because our family's all spread out. Um, the last person is uh, my wife. Um, dang it. <sighs> okay, you got to take a picture now. Um, the most important person in my life, the person that knows my heart, the person that I share my heart and my life with. Um, Our relationship is one of intimacy. Our relationship is one in which we share things that we have not shared with anybody else and will not share with anybody else. Our relationship is one at which we love to be together. 
just sitting in a room together is great for us. Um, just being able to be together is, is incredibly important for us. And we have made it a priority and we carve that out for us right now. I say that to show you those different relationships because I think they're a great illustration of this. Because you see, you have to decide what kind of relationship you want with God. You have to decide whether it's just a social one, like my Facebook relationships. Or whether it's my relationship like Lynn, it's just one of convenience. And when you need God, you'll go to him. And if it just so happens that a God kind of Christian churchy thing happens, you'll be there. Or it might be one like with my sister, it's kind of an obligation thing. You know you're supposed to, so you spend time in church or that kind of thing. Or it might be one like what we have with Doug and Terry where it's one of commitment and, and trust and something that you work at and you continue to develop. But ultimately, you want it to be that kind of relationship that my wife and I have. You want it to be one of intimacy. Ultimately, that's what God wants from us. God doesn't want it to be convenience. He doesn't want it to be obligation. He doesn't want it to be um, any of those things other than that intimate relationship. So when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about one where you desire to learn from Him. You desire to spend time for Him. You desire to do everything that you can together with Him to make Him a part of it. That's what God ultimately desires from us. So we talked about, and Campus Crusade talks about the idea of, so how does that happen? Well, it happens through these things that we call prayer and Bible study. And so I want to break those down and just talk about some practical things this morning. First uh, Peter says it this way. Notice what First Peter says. I thought you could take it down. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and evil and slander. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up unto your salvation, that you've tasted the Lord's good. In other words, he says, look, you should desire this intimate, close kind of relationship. And one of the ways is that you want to learn everything you can about God. One of the ways that you and I do that is we do it through Bible study. We do it through spending time in the Word of God. Because you see, the Bible, look, God speaks to us through a number of ways. Sometimes He brings people into our lives. Sometimes He brings circumstances into our lives. Sometimes he uses the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But God's primary way of communicating what he wants to us is through his word. That's what he does. God says, look, I'm going to give you a Bible. I'm going to give you a book. And in this book, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. If you and I were going to have a conversation, and it could be as long as I wanted, it would start with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it would go through everything to the end of Revelation. He would even tell you about all those goofy names and numbers that we hate reading. Because God wants you to know everybody's important to him. And he would share all of that with you. And he says, tell you what, instead of me doing that for like billions of people throughout history, I'll just put it in a written form for you, and here it is. Here's everything you need to know. Here's my primary way of communicating with you. For my wife and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about how we communicate. 
Um, communication, for the most part in our marriage, is really good. Um, we have our moments, like any other couple, but for the most part. so. But And over the course of 32, 3, 2, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, married. 30 years we've been married. I've known each other for like 35, 34, 33, something like that, 33. See how well we communicate? Um, <clears throat> I've learned some things about communication. Here, here's the first principle I learned. I have to give her my undivided attention. If we're going to communicate, she has to have my undivided attention. Now, here's the way it works in our house. If When she gets home, either one of two things. I'm either in chair watching the news or I'm on my, in my office watching the computer or I'm out in my shed working in my workshop or I'm doing something, um, and she comes in. Here's what I've learned. I have to stop whatever it is I'm doing. If we're getting on the car, I go over and I turn my stereo down and I sit and I listen to her tell me about her day. If I'm in a chair and the news is on, I hit pause. I have a DVR, so I'm not going to miss anything. The pause is going to go off automatically after an hour. So I think she's going to talk longer than an hour. I hit record. Now I got all the time she wants. If I'm in my office on my computer, I hit mute on my Pandora although I have jumped to Amazon Cloud, which I kind of like. But anyway, um, Amazon Player, that's all in the world. But anyway, I, 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 I hit pause, and I ask you, I ask her, so tell me about your day. Now, my wife works with five-year-olds all day long. I'm the first adult conversation she's probably had. Do you know what happens to a person who has dealt with five-year-olds for seven hours, and you're the first adult that they can have a conversation with? You ever seen a dump truck back up? And, and the box go up and it all comes out? Well, that's kind of what happens. So I listen about this little kid and that little person, this person and that person, and da, 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 and I listen to, because this is her opportunity to communicate to me. And I have learned that in order for her to communicate, she's got to have my undivided attention. I've also learned this, that I don't live in a five-year-old world. So I have to ask questions constantly. Okay, honey, what, 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 what do you mean? I don't, I don't understand that. So I seek to clarify anything that she is communicating to me. And then ultimately, and this is the tough part for guys, you have to figure out the proper response. Does she want me to listen or does she want me to fix it? As a guy, I'm geared towards one thing, fixing it. So I want to immediately go to problem-solve mode. But it might be, we might be in dump mode. And so I have to, through prayer, seek out God's wisdom to be able to respond to, does she want it fixed or does she just want to listen to you? I'm about 50-50. 
Those are my odds that I do pretty good. Half time I get it right, half time I get it wrong. Um, and so, but the issue is I have to respond. I'm responding to her, okay? I'm doing something. So if it's fixed mode, then I figure out. You know, she's talking about all the pressure she's under and how she doesn't know how she's going to get it done and dee dee Then I can look at her and go, okay, what can I take off of your plate? How about if I take care of this? How about if I'll take care of getting the DVD thing all done and the pictures and all. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. I do something based on her communication to me. All right? Get that? Now let's apply it to the Bible. If I'm going to have a relationship with God, what does that mean? It means that first of all, I need to have, let God have my undivided attention. It means I need to push aside the stuff that's going to crowd him out. It means that I need to carve out whatever that is, a time, a place, a space, whatever it is. I need to carve that out so that, so that God has it. Because you see, what I have learned in communication, that undivided attention is essential. All right, I've got to take a rabbit trail. Teenagers, kids, all of you that have a cell phone, little kids, adults, everybody, here's a pet peeve of mine. Do you understand that when somebody is talking to you and you are looking at your phone, what you are saying to them. You know what you're communicating? This is more important than what you're saying. I had to learn this because when my wife and I, we would go out, I would always have my phone and I would be sitting there and I'd be doing it and she would look at me and go, you're not, again, if you, th- she's a wonderful person, but if you don't think that there's this like redheaded wild woman <laughs> behind all of that who can come on court, then you got another thing coming. Ask the boys. Um, and my wife can be very, very blunt when she wants to make a point. And she would look at me and say, are you here to be with me or your phone? Okay, I'll put it away. <laughs> look, why? Because they don't have our undivided attention. No, 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 what that person is saying, they're communicating, that's the most important thing. Give them your undivided attention. Put it away, turn it off, mute it. Silence it. That text is not life-threatening, life-changing. Um, and if it is, you start the conversation just like I do. I, I have situations where I, somebody's like in the hospital and they're life or death kind of thing, and I'll be, I'll be meeting with somebody and I'll say, look, you, you should know that right now I have somebody in the hospital and I'm expecting a call, and if, if they call while we're here, I'll need to take that call. Okay, I can count on two hands the number of times I've had to do that. Again, why? Because you want somebody to have your undivided attention. And this is what has to happen with God. I've got to carve out. And if you think Satan, think about it for a minute. If you're Satan, if you're Satan, and you know that in order to communicate with God, undivided attention is essential, what are you going to do if you're Satan? This is really simple. This is basic. This is basic Satan principle warfare 101. If I keep them busy, they can't have, God can't have undivided attention with them. And busyness is one of the greatest curses to our spiritual lives. If I can keep them busy, they can't carve out that undivided attention. If I look at my wife and say, look, I'm too busy to talk to you, what does it do to our communication? Destroys it. Destroys it. That's why it's so important. 
So I give God my... Secondly, I, I'm seeking to understand it. Look, I love King James Bible. I love Elizabethan English. I love the English language in 1600. I am, I am one of those nuts guys that, like, memorizes Shakespeare stuff. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when an alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. Oh, no, it is another fixed mark that looks on tempest and is never shaken. It is a star to every wandering bark whose worst unknown will its heights be taken. I memorized that in 1983. That's one of Shakespeare's sonnets. I know what every one of those words means. And you're looking at it going, you are nuts. I like that English. But you know what? Most people don't. Most people have a hard time with it. The reason, you know the reason I put the NIV up here on a Sunday morning? Because the, sun, the, 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 the NIV requires, is written at an eighth grade reading level. And because I have kids in here and everything else, I put it up so that it's an easier deal for kids to understand. You know, sometimes I'll take and I'll actually read my Bible in another version like um, the um, uh, uh, New Living Translation. I think the one I gave Hunter was, was a New Living Translation. I love it. It'll add a whole new dimension to it, even if you like the King James thing. Why? Because it's not about listening. It's not about a checkoff list. It's about understanding. Can you imagine if I looked at my wife and said, hey, honey, you know, thanks for coming in and telling me about your date. Could you go grab that clipboard in my office? Sure. Why, honey? Well, I just need to check off that we talked today. <laughs> Yay. That's the way to develop a relationship. But some of us, that's how we look at Bible reading. It's like, okay, I've checked off what I'm supposed to have done out of obligation. No, 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 no. This is about intimacy. This is about developing, really understanding it. So you know what? So again, you... Great. You know, I think at some time in your life you ought to read the whole Bible through. But you know what? In some cases, you're better to read one or two verses and go out and apply it than you are to read ten chapters and walk away the same. That's why James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It's about applying it. It's about making it real. It's about understanding and responding to it. And real communication for my wife and I, that's exactly what has to happen is we have to talk about it, and I have to listen, and I have to understand what she's saying. And sometimes she's got to translate it for me, especially when she starts talking about, you know, well, I was talking to the kids about this, this phonics, and she gets into all, I've never learned phonics. So she talks about all these, what do they call them, diphthongs or whatever they are? Where, where, yeah. Huh? Yeah, diphthongs. I'm like, Really? got to explain that one to me honey you know well you're supposed to go ooh instead of ee and i don't know i want to understand what she's trying to tell me you know and, and and we learned this and the girls that have kind of come into our family now are learning this now that jimmy josh and i we can get into computer speak and we can get into a whole nother world in a moment's notice and they're looking at us going, what? And we got to stop and back up and try to explain what we're talking about. Why? So that we communicate. You want to understand. You want to be able to apply it. And God says, look, if you want a relationship with me, but look, for some of you, it's a convenience thing. 
So you bring out your Bible like whenever there's a crisis. Or it's an obligation thing. Okay, it's Sunday. I'm supposed to like read a passage. Okay. No, 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 no. God wants a commitment level relationship. God wants an intimate, ultimately he wants an intimate kind of relationship. Where you look forward to going, okay, God, what have you got to tell me today? And I realize in life, you know, believe me, if you think that I'm sitting at my office watching the clock going, okay, 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 she's about to come through the door and she can talk to me today. Yay, yay, yay. Really? What world do you live on? No, most of the time I'm hip deep in the middle of something, and she walks in, and then it's like, oh, pause. Okay. And there's times that I've had to say, look, I'm, honey, look, I... You got and those of you who work like in creative things where you write or you prepare something or something, you know how when stuff gets flowing, if you stop it, it's like the worst thing in the world. And there's times I got to look at her and say, "Look, give me five minutes, give me ten minutes. I just got to finish this this section up because then I can give her my undivided attention." That's so important. That's the the God speaking to us part. Prayer is the us speaking to God part. Because see, in communication, that's also what has to happen. Um, Jesus said it this way, um, Luke chapter 11. Um, the disciples were asking him, um, jump up to that one, guys. Um, one day he was praying, and, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not in temptation. This is like the abbreviated Lord's Prayer thing in Luke. But notice what he says. He says, you start with the relationship, Father. Hallowed be your name. You know what that means? That means, God, you're the holy one on which all of my life hinges. So, God, I I acknowledge that this is the place you have in my life. There's a lot of debate on, on, you know, I, I understand biblically that prayer can change the heart of God. I understand that. The Bible teaches that, if you don't know that. Um, The Bible teaches that. But I think prayer is more about changing our hearts. Because, see, if if I'm constantly praying, Lord, I want you to do this. Lord, Lord, what do you want? Lord, how do you want me to handle this? Lord, what what, what, what do you want here? Then all of a sudden, I think a lot of times, my will and my plan becomes God's will and God's plan. Because I'm looking at what God wants, not what I want. Just like when my wife comes in to talk to me, I'm not looking at what I want. In those conversations. I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about her. I want to be a part of her day. I want to know what happened in her life. And then she turns around and says, how was your day? And you go, great, I didn't have to deal with five-year-olds. Um, you know, I mean, I, and then I tell her a little bit about my day. It's a two-way deal. And, and, and prayer is me speaking to God, sharing my heart, sharing what's on my heart. And again, it doesn't have to be, look, so many times we, 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 we make this thing a program, you know, and, and we have a list, and, and I'm all for lists. We put out a list every week of things to pray for. I'm not against the list, but how about one day a week just putting the list aside and talking to God from your heart? You know, I mean, when I talk to my wife, it's like, you know, it, it's all over the spectrum. And like today, you know, um, today what happens is like after church, when, when we're all together, I, I just go around the table and say, tell me about your week. And let me tell you something, it's all over the spectrum. And everybody's like, you know, you know and, and a lot of times, I don't want to 
be cruel here, but I mean, I'm not trying to be cruel, but um, some of us are, are like, have trouble tracking. And the conversations go all over the spectrum. And it's like, and, and so we've kind of got to, we got to, got to, got to think. I, I, I didn't mention names, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> can't help it that everybody who's been at dinner is laughing. Um, but I mean, honestly, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go over it. And, and it's funny because now it's kind of like, we got, whoa, gear change, different subject, you know, or a different topic now. And I'll do it too, you know. And, and what's sad is some of us can track each other. Uh, and everybody else is lost, and we're going, I, I got it. I knew exactly what he was, this was all about. Um, but you know what? It's just everybody sharing their heart. And sometimes that's just what we need to do with God. God, I don't know what's going on. I mean, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. It, you know, it doesn't have to be that kind of formal thing. It's about pouring your heart out to God. Do it when you're driving. Do it when you're, when, when, you know, for my wife, she's carved out a time from when she leaves the house to the time she gets to school. You know? That's her. So I'm thinking when school's over, I got to center the city every day for 18 minutes. Um, you know, go get, go, get, go get groceries, go get, you know, I don't know, you know. But in there right now, that's, that's what her schedule is during the school year. That's what she carves out. It's about really communicating with God and developing a relationship that's not based on obligation it's not based on just socially acceptable thing to do or convenience, but really it's based on something that is committed and something that's ultimately intimate and close and real. And the incredible thing about Christianity is that God came to this earth to demonstrate to us that He is a God that wants to be close, not distant and far off. That's the incredible thing about the whole story of Christ. He came to earth for us. No other God does that. And that's what makes him different. And he desires a personal relationship based on him speaking to you and you speaking to him. And so I want to challenge you this week to have that. If you've never developed it, start, start it. You go, man, I don't have no clue. To grab one of those daily breads on the way out. They'll have a little thing to read every day, and they're practical, and it's a couple of verses. It's a great way to start. Let God start speaking to you every day on your own and develop that kind of relationship. So my prayer for you this week is this, that your relationship to God grows, that you'll involve allowing Him to speak to you through His Word, that you'll respond and that you'll develop a prayer life this week that's more than just a list of requests, but literally a list of God, of you sharing your heart with Him and developing that kind of relationship. Let's pray. Lord, thanks that we don't worship a God who remains distant. Thanks that, Lord, we worship somebody who can be with us every day, who will never leave us or forsake us, who will always be there through any valley or at the top of any mountain. And God, may we develop that kind of relationship where we can boldly come into your presence at any time. That, Lord, we can genuinely, genuinely 
love you, Lord, with our whole heart. And Lord, help us to have the kind of relationship with you, Lord, that is real, that is genuine, and that people can be able to see Christ in us. And uh, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together, and we're going to sing.